Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Well, my next interview is with Joe Bernini. We uh, talk a great deal about a very many things. She's an author and has just released a book called Never a Cloud. You can find it online. And while we're talking about that, uh, joevannabernini.com, G-I-O-V-A-N-N-A-Bernini.com. Look her up. She's an artist. She's an author, uh, a thinker. Uh, She sees things. uh, She listens uh, she's a producer, and and uh, but really, I think at the core, uh, she's somebody who who d- desperately wants to tell a story. And like myself, I, I like telling stories through the questions I ask, through the through the people that I meet, and through the stories that that I tell. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about a hatred for social media in this interview. We talk about uh, change and and about empathy and how to watch people and, and, and the importance of names. We talked, we talked a great deal about why it's important to listen and, and, and to watch uh, just a little more intently, just a little more closely. Uh, we talked about uh, being wild. Uh, we talked about unsaid things. We talked about untamed things and about how sometimes you can lose yourself in a marriage. This book took a, a long time for Joe to write. And so she, she talks about that. She talks about that as a, as a challenge and as a struggle, but also from a very affirming perspective as well. And we talk about how, how you can be blinded uh, by the truth. Of course, storytelling makes its way in there and authentic admissions. And she tells us that uh, she's not the person that she used to be. And boy, I would uh, give her a thumbs up on that from my own perspective as well. Uh, Joe talks about mystical encounters and the lenses that we see each other through and, and, and why writing is such a private place. This is, a, in my opinion, this is a very uh, compelling and, and affirming 
interview uh, for people who are starting out to write. You know, Stephen King says in his delightful book on writing that you just need to sit down and write. Write a page every day. At the end of the year, you've got a 365-page book, novel, whatever the case might be. But the point is you need to write. And listen in to Joe uh, jo in this conversation and what she has to say about fighting for your free space. We talk about taking a break every seven years and 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 about finding uh, yourself and exploration. So many places we went. It was one of those classic interviews where we could have just kept going. And I think uh, 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 several cups of coffee or or uh, a bottle of wine over a long conversation would, would be something that I would look forward to uh, with someone like Joe, with Joe herself. She's a great conversation partner. So uh, listen in, get a copy of the book, Never a Cloud. And uh, don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking. And you can find out more about what I do there. You can pick up a copy of my book, Real Change is Incremental. You can also find all of my podcasts there, Facebook to face face to face live.ca will get you to the same place and you can find many many interviews we've got some really great cool interesting guests coming up uh it looks like i may be getting my uh, own radio show i will tell you more about that as it unfolds but it's kind of an exciting time and we're really looking forward to that and don't forget please leave us a review for sure sign up wherever you listen to podcasts click that rss feed subscribe YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe to the channel. But more importantly, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is you listen. We would so appreciate that. Uh, Don't touch that dial, though. Joe Bernini coming right up. You're listening to Face to Face, and my name is David Peck. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest here with us today. We have uh, uh, an author a storyteller, a change maker here. Uh, Giovanna Bernini is here with us today to talk about her new novel, Never a Cloud. And we're going to talk about a whole lot more. Giovanna, thank you so much for uh, being with us here today on Face to Face. Thank you, David. I am honored. And if I may, to anyone listening, thank you. And I have to say at the outset, I am the paragon of spectacular mistakes, excluding my beautiful children. And there's a two-bit character, and this is my debut novel. Uh, and it's called Never a Cloud. And she's someone who doesn't look in her rearview mirror as often as she should. And that's me too. So, so Joe, that's a great, a paragon of mistakes. We'll get back to that yeah. for sure. I think I, I, can, I can relate to that. I think our listeners can, uh, can, uh, can't we all really uh, relate to that in some way? And I think for those of us who can't admit to our mistakes, that's uh that's maybe a, a challenging spot to be in. Hey, tell us a little bit about the book. I apologize. I have not read the book yet, but my wife is in the middle of it. Congratulations on getting a novel done. That can't be easy. That's so challenging. And for those of you who are looking for it, you can find it on Amazon, Never a Cloud, Joe uh, Brunini. And you can also, Joe, why don't you tell us about where, your website as well, where people can find out a little bit more about you too. Okay, thanks. Uh, it's just GiovannaBernini.com. And there I started it, oh, geez, 13 years ago. And I had another blog-like website before that where I did book reviews. But this one is really just a, a work of love. There's no advertisements. I don't have any sponsors. When I moved, I'll like my current post is on um, Caravaggio. And I have some recipes. I have my paintings because I paint as well and oils. Um, and I have interviews with artists from all around the world. 
So, you know, that's interesting. You sound, sounds like your CV is very eclectic. You've been around, you know, and any good writer has to experience, I guess, what did Oscar Wilde say? Experience is the name we give to our mistakes, right? So if you're, you're, you're a better writer today because of those experiences, it seems to me. I have how a vault. You, how, a vault. How, how, <laughs> how would you describe yourself? Like, are, are you an artist? Are you a writer? Are you a mom? Are you, you know, what, what would you, what's on your business uh, card? <laughs> well, I, from, from childhood, I was the child, TV's on, mom's listening to PBS. She's reading the newspaper at the same time. She's multitasking. Right, and okay. dad, dad's doing whatever, but it was a very cultural embodied the house embodied culture culture you right. know went to the theater the bookcases were stacked my mother read every book in the library and the newspapers never got thrown out unless she nice i used to secretly take the stacks and, they were, and ditch them out to the garage because i'm a neat nick and then she'd come home and you know like a she'd flip and put them right back put them right back oh mom, please anyway I was on the floor drawing and painting and dreaming in my inner world, developing my inner world from youth. So I exist between the two modalities of being a painter and a writer. And they were there from the beginning. And would, that's would my ever, haven. It's your haven. Yeah, nice. Would you ever would you ever just refer to just wrong word way to put it, but would you ever say that you're just a storyteller? This is what I do. I tell stories. And 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 delete the painting. Well, just say because story like aren't you telling a story through a there, painting? There's aren't, where's aren't my you, ease? Aren't aren't you There's my you, painting. It's half completed. There you go. Nice. We're we're in the we're in the house. We're in the You're living in the room. In the studio. There's my oh. famous studio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Corner. So like so Joe, filmmakers, musicians, poets, aren't aren't they all telling stories of one kind or another? Absolutely. And this is very, this, but so for me, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature and I was very shy and I was a late bloomer. I got my period at 15 and a half. What girl does that? You know, I, I was, right. I, I got bloomer, kissed yeah. at 17. And, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm very slow, but, um, what were you saying? It was about, well, just about storytelling. Storytelling. Artists as storytelling. I can't give up one half. I can't mm. separate them. But I recently met through Instagram, and I hate social media, but I know it's the way of the world. And um, so I, I'm there. And through so through Instagram, I've met some just amazing people. And one was an 80-year-old uh, Soho artist, fine artist named Jude Vivell. And Jude came all the way up from New York City to visit me. She does have a home in Vermont, but we met. And we had this gala lunch and and she saw my painting and she said, you do what I can't do. Your store, your paintings have poetry. They tell a story. Mm, that's beautiful. And I had never you can't analyze yourself. Sure. And uh, so I had never seen that. But absolutely, I'm all about words and visions. And and that's it. That's and children. Words, uh, words and nature. Visions, children, there you go. nature. That's that's pretty good. That's it. <laughs> totally that's, devoted to family life too uh, always i that's all i wanted was my art and family wonderful so so can you give us the sort of the short you know as we would say uh the i guess you'd say the cliff note version the cliff's notes version of how you got to never a cloud so this was I a can. huge huge shift in your life and i've heard the word you and i have even used it before we hit the record button sabbatical I, I love that notion of that getting you not not so much about the sabbatical itself, but what did it get you to? Right? It was okay. like a catapult yeah. almost. Oh, absolutely. But I want to say that um, 
so maybe just step backwards and you know so i told you before that the i was such a lucky child and my parents took us on to, to see europe in a grand tour a grand tour for six weeks and that while there um if this is the formation of joe the writer while there my mother is this a place you want we can yeah, go sure. no, it's yeah, great. That, yeah that my mother there in the hotel room when i was all alone confessed that she just out of the blue thought of getting a divorce and and it, it from then on from 13 to 19 i know that maybe you could say that was the the trigger moment when i became a writer like balzac who says the greatest entertainment is watching people character analysis so maybe i started watching her then and i'm an empath I, there's this new jargon going around with empaths. All I know is I feel too much and I and I feel I, I take it in. So maybe that's what an empath mm -hmm. is. I don't know if it's a good thing to be or bad, but I've always been aware of that. So um, I started watching her and asking myself what in her life had given such incredible sadness. And I think that triggered, um, you know, a lot of definition asking myself, who do I want to be? Who am I? And what's, you know, help so, me with that. So was there, was, there, was there a moment of, I want to go back to that idea of empathy as well, because I think I would say most of us don't suffer from enough empathy. I think that's something that's sorely lacking. I mean, you know, Roger Ebert talked about movies as empathy making machines, but I think I would say all art, you know, all story, relationships are about empathy on some level. Did your mom act as a bit of a, a catalyst for that change then? Was it, was it the moment, was it that she had the courage to not only do what she was doing, but to tell you about it as well? Well, she made spurts and starts. Sure. And I think the first gift in my mother and grandmother had a rift between them that was, hmm. and they were, she was an only child and my grandmother was Scott Stoic, thus the novel set in Scotland. But, um, what I can say is my mom gave us the gift of no middle name, my sister and I. Hmm. And, I, and I, at first, when I was a kid, I thought, boy, I'm bizarre. I don't have a middle name. Every Tom, Dick and Harry has a middle name. Why don't I? And then so the game was play around with it, girls, because this is your gift to pick the name. If I've given you a name you don't like, you can have a new one. Oh, wow. Now, right then, as a 12-year-old, I'm walking around in front of my Scots grandmother. She, she was a widow very early, and so she was always a part of our life. If, just a beautiful woman. And she and I'd say, Melissa, I want to be Melissa. And she'd say, Missy, you want to be called Missy? She'd be like, disgusted with me. <laughs> right. right. The but, short forms are important, right? Yeah. But I think my mother cracked, you know, she cracked a door there on reinvention. I think she really did. And I, I feel sad that I never asked her, did you like your name? Interesting. Yeah. Well, who is it that said, um, oh, Kierkegaard said, I suppose that you, you, you only understand when you look back, but you live your life right by stepping into it. So I wonder, uh, were you around 13 when your mom told you that? I was 13 when yeah. she gave that confession. Well, you used a word, I think you used the word individual or something like that. And I wonder if that's when you really started to become uh, can I say the real authentic you? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, I certainly started listening more or watching wow. more. And that's the writer right there. Um, you know, I, I there's a book that I made up in my novel called The Atlas of Untamed Places. And uh, it's not it's not actually a book. It's one of my characters, Will, um, 
says he he uses that as a euphemism euphemism for himself on um, the atlas of untamed places and perhaps that which is most compelling about us each of us is exactly that like what's the what's the untamed what's the wild what's the unsaid piece of you that needs to be addressed but it's being overlooked um you know it. george sand said uh, this is a beautiful quote it seems to me that we change from day to day and that after some years we are a new being and that as through my marriage that became increasingly a different episode uh decades very poignant for me yeah it's what oh, it's a great quote and i mean it's i mean you can call it um the real you authenticity i mean i've i'm i'm a quite a, a existentialist in some regards yeah. i suppose and it's, it's absolutely about, you know freedom choice and responsibility and how do we how do we actually step into those you know those decisions those relationships those those people in those places right in a, in an intentional way so so you left your marriage after many years and this was also a real uh, i game changer is this cliche i suppose but it really created another major shift for you i mean that's a long uh, uh, many years that you were married but that was was that a stepping stone towards getting the novel finished or at least started even um no i'll say this i i first started a memoir and boy the years just add on but that's got to be <laughs> i've been in this house 13 years that's at least 13 maybe 15 a long time ago i put together a memoir sure. and it it was really I, I can't even look at it now but it was my first foray and um so you know at in at that point i was addressing that then from there i sprang board to a novel you know happily married everything's on cruise control sure. and i say to myself i'm going to write a novel and i actually told myself that i wanted to address the feeling of loss in a marriage and and i want and i thought and i told myself that at the end i would know why i'm so ha i'm so happy and so you know, fulfilled and it would correct it, it would. It would all go full circle back where I thought I was perfectly stationed. So anyway, um, the novel went through many reiterations. Um, I really had a hard time. It's a it's a book about three women in the end. But it took six years of writing and major overdrafts. I worked with the Kirkus editorial people for a whole year who they don't do anything for you. They're just like a little North Star. Right. You know? nice. <laughs> and they're just incredible people. And in that course, I actually submitted for my Kirkus review too ambitious to, you know, I'm done. And when the review came back, you know, I took to heart because I'm incredibly, uh, I'm a perfectionist and I took to heart the criticism and I went back and I wrote for six months more working with another copy editor. And, um, well, I think I'm getting lost, but no, it's a, listen, writing, writing anything I've written a little bit over the years and it's, it's, I find it incredibly difficult. I, I, don't I know, know what I want to say. Yeah. I don't know if it's but about vulnerability or what. It's, it's so vulnerability. Things, yeah. So this is what happened. So when I first started writing, um, I couldn't attach to who I thought was my heroine. Mm. And she just was kind of vague and bland. And I didn't like her flat out. And I liked the protagonist, the male protagonist. And then suddenly in the, over a few years of working on it, um, a new character just 
came to life and i think of bob dylan a lot because he mm -hmm. says he that not, not none of the great songs that he wrote you know he he did anything but sit there and and sort of like the river that you swim through he just sure. he would just happen to be on the right bank at the right time right, right, and it just sure. took him away sure. and so for me it was probably one night she actually started waking me up at night this violet gray and i'd come down and i'd write in the middle of the night you know by a soft light and all of the passages for violet are as you see them they they were literally you know filled with a rhythm and a beat and she was so unstoppable and she transformed the whole book and in the end it, it became um a discovery of women's stories that i've met throughout a long life um those in my own intimate family and many women that i've met you know through just how you meet <laughs> just you know close friends boyfriends mothers what have you and i just kind of threw everything in there i, I wanted to be the voice of women who have no voice and maybe their story will never be told and there's just a fraction of it thrown in the kitchen sinks in there i mean it just became <laughs> A big trunk that I no. I think it's, it's I think it's really fascinating to to hear some of that story behind how the book came to be, how the how the stories or the series of stories of these three women and others were you know birthed onto the page, and it's fascinating too that middle of the night, nice touch, soft light, it was it just sort of appeared. And out, and out it came. It's really, it's really quite. It's very mystical. Very if you have mystical. to, yeah. if you want to know what a mystical experience is, you know, try a hand at writing and even painting anything that's, you know, in the garden, you can have that experience. Are you a better writer today than you were? What was it? Six years ago? Not even this. No, no, there's no comparison. Hmm. You know, I, I did a mini crash course. You know, I haven't had any formal training. I don't have an MFA in creative writing. It's just something that's I kept diaries throughout my youth, throughout sure. high school, and um, wrote poetry as even at like a six-year-old. And I started with poetry before I worked on the memoir and the novel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Have you always, it's interesting, writing poetry at six and get, have you always felt a need? You know, I've heard of this notion of that I can't not write. I have to write. I have to. Express. I have to write. I have I, to. I feel that way too to. about, uh, yeah. I, I need a platform of some kind, whether it's the stage or the digital stage, you know, and, and I do it through podcasting mostly these days. But yeah, can you talk a little bit about that, that need to express yourself, to, 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 to be heard? You said you're a better listener now. Because of that, experience that was very mind. interesting because I think, um, you know, what the book, what I learned is how easily, how easily it is to be blinded um, by your desire to deceive, deceive yourself. Wow. In the very, very long marriage, this is the, I learned truths that were, uh, you know, like psychoanalysis, uh, writing just opens up and brings, you know, visions and truths and, and and one truth was that my my college roommate um, saw me after the book was completed, and she said, "You're the old Joe. You're who I knew in college, and have been missing for." And she was talking decades, <laughs> and that really hit so crushingly hard because we're talking about when we're talking about life, we're talking about you can't retrieve it. It's it's what you've committed to. It's what's made you who you are. And, sure, of course. You know, if you've gone astray. I think that's 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 the poignant moment when you can self-correct. You know, so good. You're given that gift to self-correct so, 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 so and good. and have authentic admissions. Yeah. I think the book, which was inauthentic, you know, my first concept of the book is now in full about authentic admissions. That life is a little harder than you thought it would be. You know, so those and that shocks, any any shocks of recognition along the way. Yeah, yeah, and I try to do it with humor. So, right. you know, the book is a novel. It's set over a New Year's comedian? party. That was a good venue. Could you could you be a stand up comedian? Oh, do I seem funny? I I love humor. <laughs> yeah, right. No, there's a different. There's a real difference, right? To to being able to laugh. Oh, I could never do yourself, that. No. But to do it in front of a microphone no. and and and, no. and yeah, it's a. It's a, yeah, a, a challenging, difficult world for sure. So these authentic admissions, you've, you've realized, it's taken you quite a few years to realize that this is, this is the stuff of life. Is, is this the stuff of relationships, would you say? And well, you yeah, say I think our authentic self is the only part that counts. And if you, um, I'll say that it's very easy, maybe especially for women, but I don't want to, you know, segregate the sexes. I, I think that it's just really easy as marriages progress and become decades long, 30, mm. 20, 10, 20, 30 years, you subsume a piece of your identity without even realizing it. We all do. You know, you suddenly have, it's our aesthetic. You know, we have an aesthetic and this is what it is. And you have to ask yourself, what was my aesthetic? Sure. You know, is my aesthetic? Is that, you know? So is there um, a, is there a sort of an implicit? I don't, I'm not I'm not going to call it an argument, but an implicit. Uh, maybe, well, maybe it is an argument for for creating distance. Between, absolutely. Between partners, friends, couples, in in maybe any relationship, but in your case, a marriage for sure. But can you talk a bit more about that separation? And I don't mean maybe the physical separation, but just um, yeah, again, that connects kind of back to the sabbatical that you you had that that kind of life-changing life experience. Okay, so let's kind of, let's let's walk down that path. So 10 years into my marriage, 
um you know i i, I had like they were de they were marked and maybe because i'm a very rhythmic person myself uh at exactly at 10 years in 10 year increments i had little episodes that would happen to me and and one was going to a family wedding and i, I felt really disconnected from my you know my my marriage and um it was it wasn't more than that it was just sitting there and saying well I'm just not who I used to be because I was going sure. to see the marriage of childhood friends the ones that well actually the ones that we visited on the sabbatical the grand tour right the grand tour yeah and then um another 10 years later um there was when the crash happened in 2008 um, we were cabinet my my husband is a master cabinet maker and when that 2008 fiscal crash happened all luxuries were parked on the side you were really hurting if you had luxury items and over that course i um plugged away in new york city with contacting designers add 100 designers you know do you need something can we work together and one of the people that i met was an add 100 actually my favorite all-time ad 100 designer and i'll say his name robert couturier of new york city and france and we just met another kismet constellation star drop comets whatever um it was just a text and, and we started talking and we didn't stop and thankfully for at that time I, he he he's a he's a gay designer and it wasn't um you know it wasn't anything that i was it was not a hidden friendship um john's was aware that you know we, we were getting to know each other and enjoyed our friend a friendship very strong a very strong friendship and anyway it, that we're still friends and robert said something along the course of our friendship which i actually i did have to fight for but then um you know, I won and I got to keep my friend, continue the friendship. And John's in the end realized that he had helped me become a better me. But short end, Robert said to me, you are a poet who sees the world through the prism of your generous heart or soul. And at that time, that was the second epoch when I just said oh sure. my god this is like ripping me open my soul's on the outside and a stranger relative stranger I've only known six months or a year sees me for who I am and the most important part of aspect of myself so yeah we're talking about so, reinvention and how it yeah, happens yeah yeah reinvention self-realization I mean so is it through others is that is that your uh, insight that that you know, it's through a community of a particular sort. That oh, no, because I'm very much a recluse. I'm, mm. you know, this is my studio, my home. I'm on my it, it was through a person. It's crazy that way for yeah. me. It's a little far flung, but I, I, I'll have friends that are in um, very vibrant, fast action lives. And I'm, you know, the domestic goddess doing my art. Right, right. But, but it was through somebody, it was through a person, human contact, a relationship that got you to another place, right? So you're, the, recl you're the recluse who still seems to maybe need relationships, is that? Is oh, that absolutely, yeah, I love yeah, people. Yeah. I love, love, love people. Um, 
but my my very life in here in Vermont, you know, it's it's a right it's a writers and artists world. It's a very it's a private place that is sure. can is conducive to to what I enjoy. Um, but you know, it's really interesting that you say uh, it's a private place, and um, I'd love to hear a little bit of uh, what what are your thoughts on the expression itself what what did it bring you so you start writing at six not intentionally necessarily but you're doing poetry at a very young age you talk about these admissions your authentic self and you build along the way what what does it give back to you i mean what kind of lesson can another writer that's listening to our conversation today what what are they going to take away from this that boy I gotta write. I gotta start tonight. Yeah, don't. Yeah, fight for it. Fight for fight that for free it. space because it's never guaranteed. Mm, nice. Fight for it with all that you have, and don't put it off. Don't say, uh, you know, maybe next year. Maybe I need to go on a retreat. You don't need to go on a retreat. Right. Right. You do need to have pads of paper and pencil and all your bags and pockets. And if you go running, take a little tape recorder. I mean, sure. just be prepared right. because nice. I think once you get in that stream, some characters will find you and you will, you are not yourself anymore. You are theirs. It's very intense. It's you have to really love it because for me, the experience of writing is so incredibly rewarding, but it's also, it's a, it's almost a loss of self to birth a whole novel of characters. Mm, you know? It's a beautiful loss of self, sure. but you, it's exhausting. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's amazing. I love, I love the notion of fighting for your free space and, and being prepared. In other words, write everything down. Yeah. Be, be prepared and be really organized. Yeah. Um, and, and back to, um, I will say that I, I think one of the greatest compliments, cause the book is really new still, and people are just, the people in my, that I send advanced copies to are still reading. Um, it's just taken on its life. Sure. But here's a really great quote from French designer Corbusier, Corbusier that relates. So Corbusier painted for one hour a day as a spiritual exercise. Wow. Okay. He's a designer. He's painting. He says to keep himself in a poetic atmosphere replete with symbols, invention, and color. And if that isn't the most beautiful epitaph, I mean, mm. there what's, it is. What's you the know? line again? Beautiful oh. invention. He, he, he did it to keep himself in a poetic atmosphere replete with symbols, invention, and color. So he, he was aware that he needed a meditative stance mm. before he did his furniture design, his, you know. No, it's good. It's, and I love this, Joe, I love this idea. I can sense it in, in the, way you, the way you interact with me here. We've never met before. This is our first uh, digital meeting uh, and maybe not our last, but there's a, there's a passion there. I can really sense that deeply emotive and maybe that's that empathetic ed that, angle. Okay. Yeah. Com coming out and coming through and that's i mean isn't that what po great poetry is about right it is uh, you you have to be naked a poet walks um, naked through life so you know um, what we have to we believe it or not we're, we need to wrap up in a few minutes but you said um, something earlier about your mom about how you know sort of how, there you go the mother of invention the mother of reinvention uh you said you started to listen and you started to watch more closely around that time can you unpack that a wee bit for me frankly and our listeners because i think we can all benefit from this idea of you know what just settle down 
Maybe stop talking and listen. Put the clipboard down <laughs> and open your ears. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? There's a, a lot. I, I can because the the idea of an archival silence is at the heart of my book. That's a wonderful phrase. And me. and the book also addresses uh, uh, the absurdity of lies and their far flung grip. And also asks the question of how well can we ever really know anyone? There's such a big task to know ourselves and so much can get overlooked in that process. And we and I really we, I don't feel we even touched upon uh, the sabbatical. So that's, that's, I still want to do no, that. That's OK. Yeah. Well, tell us Maybe another time. Well, no, but, tell us a little bit more about it as we wrap up. I mean, I think there's been there's all the there's tons of wisdom here and nuggets and years of experience. And I I love that there are lessons here for young writers as well. I just thank think that's you. wonderful. And 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 there's something and I think for me already what I'm feeling the thread, you know, of our of our conversation here is about this idea of just um, staying focused and paying a little more attention, you know. I don't know if you remember the film uh, back in 99. It was the year The Matrix came out, American Beauty. And the tagline of the film was, look closer. Look I, closer. I, I don't think I ever saw that one, but I remember yeah. it was a really big hit. It was, it was big. It won some awards. And Sam Mendes' first uh, film, I believe. But the tagline really stuck with me. You know, look closer. Pay attention. Oh, my listen, gosh. Listen, yeah. I've worked in international development, as my listeners will know, for many years as a consultant on and off. And... One of the things I've learned is that we certainly Western international development agencies don't spend enough time listening to the people they work with. And, and instead of embedding themselves in the context, in the community and just saying, Hey, tell me more, tell me how, what, it, what is it to like to live here and so on and so forth. It would just have such a, a well, it would build better relationships for sure but it would have an impact on the outcomes ultimately, it seems to me too. So anyway, I just, I love that to take away for, for all of us, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Any, 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 any sort of, uh, insights from the sabbatical that you haven't touched on? Well, we haven't really even gotten there yet. I feel right. like it's such a, it was in 2000. Sure. Um, I have a really great quote on sabbaticals because I'm my grandmother, Scott's grandmother, Lily, was a big number person. Okay. She always was walking around saying things come in threes and you know, sort of like the old nice. superstitions. Was she in the financial but, sector? Why was she? Why was she? In oh, that's so interesting because she did do the books for Philip Sandover. <laughs> there, there you go. So, well, yeah. But she, she yeah, she, she was left a widow and, you know, never had a card and own her own house, but was very, um, very she strong. Loved, she loved numbers. So when I was thinking about re, in, you know, forming my thoughts on sabbaticals, this is this is it. Jews in the Jews in the land of Israel must take a year long break from working the fields every seven years. Mm. So there you go. And it was all it's a year time of immemorial. Idea, it's been it? considered a really great idea to step out of your pro prescribed life and try something different. You know, so. For me, the idea came. Um, I we we were you know we lived on on a shoestring as cabinet makers, just like in you know Tevia's villa on the roof. And I wanted to see Italy because I'm fifty percent Italian, and I had never seen Italy. So I started applying um, to all the international schools in Italy when computers were just dial-ups, and I got a job. And um, 
I really had no idea where the import of that idea, mm-hmm. it, it was just, it was, it was transformative. I mean, it was like you're saying with, can I leave my painting or my writing? No, I cannot. And I could not park that idea. I knew, and it was a, te- a decade after, so 2000, yeah, it was a decade after the wedding experience. So this was my next one. <laughs> and then Robert was the third, but that was the big moment when I, I at that time, I maybe, I thought I was just tracing my roots, Italian roots, you know. And I, you know, going back to, I went to Rome. But in truth, what it turned out to be was, I was looking for the absent pieces of myself. I was looking to give myself the adventures that I had had forfeited early in life or given up to, you know, different experiences and to get my voice back which I desperately needed to do and wasn't wasn't being able to. I wasn't finding it in my idyllic family life. I needed to yeah, venture off on my own little hero quest. And um, I remember when I did my TV interview, um, it was just this TV interview, and she asked me, the interviewer said, did you consider it was selfish? And that, you know, started my eye <laughs> and because it, to me um if someone's compelled to explore something married or not they need the freedom to take that risk mm. and if you think about it if wherever you're meant to land when you come back from your experience whether it's seven days seven months seven years you're going to be in the right place and you'll be better for it you'll come back a stronger, more realized. I can't, I can't think of a, and I hate to sort of uh, bring us to an end, but uh, I think I, I can't mm-hmm. think of a better way to sort of wrap it up. You'll be a better person because of that, that seven years, seven months, seven days, that break. And I think, I think there's a ton of, frankly, daily wisdom in that, isn't there as well? Just this, I mean, you talked earlier about, you know, what did you say to the young writer? Fight for that free space, Fight right? For Fight yeah. for that free space. Giovanna, thank you so much for hanging out with me today on Face to Face. Let's tell everybody again about the book, Never a Cloud. You can get it certainly through Amazon. Uh, but check out uh, Giovanna's website. It's G-I-O-Vanna, V-A-N-N-A, Bernini, B-R-U-N-I-N-I dot com. And there's poetry. And I've, I've checked it out. It's a fascinating website. And, um, uh, and you've got another book in you, I hear. I do. I nice. do. I've got a quarter of it. I'm a quarter of the way along. Wow. And the, the, the launch for um, Never a Cloud is, you know, all consuming, but okay. it's there and I'm chafing at the bit. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for spending time uh, with me here today. Giovanna Bernini talking about a little bit about everything, actually, but uh, check out her new book, <laughs> oh, Never a Cloud. Yeah. Thanks so much thank- for sp- spending some time with me today. Thank you so much, David. Well, there you have it my interview with Joe Bernini talking about her new book, Never a Cloud, but also talking about writing and about finding yourself. And how's, how about that as the absent pieces of myself and about getting our voice back and how important that is for all of us. A ton of wisdom here, uh, a ton of insight. Thanks so much, Joe, for joining us on Face to Face. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking. Don't forget you can also get a copy of Real Changes Incremental there. And please uh, take a look, browse through the podcast, face-to-facelive.ca, 
also uh, points to this page. You can go through the catalog, close to 600 interviews, some special guests coming up over the next couple of months, and big news for me, I hope, uh, a radio show in the future in 2023. So do stay tuned, but please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, if you could leave us a review, we would so appreciate that on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. You've been listening to my conversation with Joe Bernini, author of Never a Cloud. My name's David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Thank you.